right, good, everybody. It's me, JR Man. How are you? Welcome to your Life's Work podcast. What's going on? In the background um, is the big, fat, roll-around air conditioner because it's hot. So if you hear that, that's what that is. Big show today, we're going to do an Ask JR segment. This is our third Ask JR segment of the year, in case you're counting at home. Ask JR. We're dealing with grief. We're going to talk about grief, and we're going to talk about call. Grief and call. Right? Very good. How you doing? Greetings, everybody, from around the world. Uh, those of you from China, how are you? Thanks for checking in uh, over the last week. Appreciate that. I uh, hope you're enjoying the big podcast. China. Turns out to China. People like listening to me in China. One person. Let's <laughs> me in China. Greetings to you in San Paulo. How you doing? Uh, all my uh, East Coast friends, I hope the Hurricane Florence uh, didn't uh, do as the expected damage. And, uh, of course, uh, thoughts, prayers, and uh, good cosmic waves headed your way. All of my friends uh, in the Midwest, how are you? Grand Rapids, checking in. Hello, how are you? Minneapolis, Cleveland, Cleavage, Akron, Ohio. Akron, Ohio. Uh, how you doing? And, uh, of course, uh, our good people uh, here on the West Coast. How are you? San Diego, L.A., my Portland brothers and sisters, how you doing? And uh, I know a few of you up in Seattle, so what's going down? Um, and I know there's a few of you in Missouri, too, so I don't forget you people in Missouri with your weird baseball teams. No one likes them, by the way. You're the only one that likes them. Uh, n- news on the front. Uh, th- uh, Wednesday, the 19th of this month, uh, d- d- September 19th, we're having a spiritual direction training part two. Dos part two. Um, go to jrman.com and uh, sign up for that if you're in Southern California. If not, uh, we are going to make it available during the, uh, for the web. Um, and we'll stream it. If no one um, out there wants to stream it, it ain't going to be streamed. Uh, but if you're uh, out of the area and you want to do the spiritual direction training part two, basically it's for anybody who wants a deeper understanding on how you're listening to the folks, right? Because so, some of us, seriously, I mean, I know if you gravitate to the podcast and you gravitate to spiritual direction at all, you're probably the kind of folk that, like, you know, people show up and knock on the door and say, come on in, and over a cup of coffee, you're hammering out the life, right? You're hammering out the stuff, you're getting deep with people. And the spiritual direction training, uh, it's a year-long deal. We do six sessions. Six sessions? Four sessions? Six? I don't even know. We do a bunch of sessions throughout the year. We read a bunch of books, and uh, we basically learn the practice of spiritual direction, the art of spiritual direction, as I call it. And I basically say it's taking the guesswork out of God, right? How many of us in our relationships with the universe, the cosmos, or as we were calling it today, the process, um, you know, you have that uh, you have that guesswork, and you don't want that guesswork. And you want to sit with somebody, and you want to hammer the stuff out, and make some decisions, or or get some you know clarity in your life, or really enjoy some peace and move forward. And that's what spiritual direction does. So if you're out there and you need a spiritual director, of course, I'd love to help. Jr. Jeremana, Jr. Jeremana dot com. It's Jr. It's M A H O N dot com. By the way, Jr. M A H O N dot com. Um, and if you need me, I'm right there. There's numbers and emails and websites and all that kind of crap going on. You can follow me on, uh, on this. Hey, on this podcast, would you do me a favor right now? If you're listening on iTunes, would you freaking like it and write a review thing on it? What do you do on the, what do you do on the iTunes? Do you like it? What do you do? You, uh, you subscribe to it. <laughs> would you subscribe to it? Do an old man a favor and write a comment. Jr. Makes my life better. Something like that. But would you please, if you're on iTunes, do that? That would, uh, that would help me greatly. Jer, why would it help you greatly? Well, as you know, that uh, we are driven by the metrics of social media. And if I don't get a certain amount of likes, that means I'll hate myself forever and probably start drinking again. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. 
<laughs> I'm kidding. It's just a way to get the show a little bit more popularity. So I'd appreciate that. Not that the show needs any more popularity, right? Uh, okay, so we're doing Ask JR. So basically, I take questions uh, either that I'm hearing throughout the week or the month, either via email or text or face to face. I do a ton of work face to face, I do a ton of phone work. Uh, for those of you who uh, like to hang out with me on the phone, you know what I'm talking about. My phone is ringing because the Cubs are playing. I have instant access to every pitch. Uh, via the MLB app with my Chicago Cubs. So I'm sorry about that, turning that up. But anyway, so I take questions that are um, just ruminating throughout the month of the week, and then we do a little Ask JR segment. So here we go. So uh, I, get, I, get, I talk to a lot of people about grief uh, and, and people who um, are, are just struggling over either the death of a loved one, the death of a friend, or, or, or it doesn't necessarily have to be the death of a friend. It can be maybe you've moved on from a season of your life, maybe someplace where you've lived or maybe some group that you've just recently, maybe you've moved. Maybe, and I know, like, again, it, it's not that it's shallow, but there are sometimes we grieve over the things in our lives. Um, when I moved to California several, several years ago, I grieved over certain things that I had in my life, like parks that I used to walk in, drives that I used to take, like just things that were kind of natural to me uh, in the, in the um, cadence of my day, in the routine of my day. So the grief comes in many different forms. So a lot of the times I get a question, how do I get over my grief? So the Ask JR question is, JR, how do I get over my grief? <laughs> And the easy answer, and everybody experiences grief, that's how, how, that's how it is, and I know some of you want to shake it off the minute you start feeling it, but that ain't happening. So number one, you don't get over grief. Number one, you don't get over grief. You're not, it, this is not a process you're getting over. You're not going to read a book, take a class. You're not going to do some exercise with five steps in it, and then at the other side of it, uh, be over it. Grief, the reason that we grieve is because there's a natural piece or part of us that has either been taken away uh, willingly or unwillingly. So it really doesn't matter. But, I mean, grief sits in the heart. These are matters of the heart, deep, deep matters of the heart, longings and pains that come of the heart. So you got to deal with grief. You have to deal with it. If you're going through grief, because here's the expression of grief, like grief will, will carve out depression in people, and that's just a reality. Depression is not bad. If you are actively grieving and sitting in depression, we'll talk about that, but you got to get some help. That's all there is to it, and you got to talk about it. So you manage it. You're going to manage grief. And for those of you who lost a dear loved one, I have lost several people in my life. I'm 51 years old. That's natural to have lost people at 51 years of age. Uh, and for those of you out there that are, that are listening, I, I, I have no doubt you've lost somebody in your life, whether it's due to a death or the breaking of a relationship or something like that. You've lost somebody. So you are going to learn to manage it. And I want you to know right now you're not alone because every human being is going to experience grief. And you may feel at the deepest center of grief that you are alone, but you're not. And I know that's a hard thing to hold on to and kind of a stupid piece of advice, which is to say you're not alone. But you truly are not. You have to allow its day. You have to allow grief its day. You have to be in allowance of its emotions. In other words, if you want to break down a cry, break down a cry. If you just want to keep your mouth shut and kind of stare at the wall for seven days or whatever it is, then that's what you're going to do. Right? But you have to allow it. You have to allow the flow of what the grief is. My wonderful wife, Diane, lost her uh, mom last year, last summer uh, in August. And uh, let me just tell you something. Her mom was an amazing personality, big, huge personality, big, 
big, right? And she filled so many intricately fun spaces in our lives, right? Not only mom, but, you know, uh, matriarch, safety person, protection-er, wonderful, merciful, loving person, giver, um, you know, uh, listener. Like, she was all these great, great things to a lot of us. And... You know, my wife really took it on the chin. She's the youngest of the family, and and uh, she had that connection. And we have these three adopted kids, and of course, with three adopted kids come on an exhaustive amount of energy and emotionality um, that needs to be kind of exhausted out in one's life. And and Diane found that with her mom, and her mom would listen and talk and chat and about best ways to do this or that with uh, kids that um, are in our situation. And when that was gone. I mean, that left a big, giant, fat hole uh, and a very painful, big, fat, giant hole in, in Diane's life. And so she continues to grieve today. But the deal is, is that she had to be an allowance of the emotions and she had to allow the emotions to come and go. The tears or the joy of thinking about her or just the sudden reaction of her not being on the planet. Some shock, perhaps, and trauma. Right. So all these things need their day. They need to surface. They need to come out. They need to be an allowance of. You can't at some point, and it's not not to say you can't. Like, I don't want to put process or methodology necessarily on top of grieving. But there's the idea that when we grieve, we don't want people to see it. We're Americans. We're tough. We're supposed to be autonomous. We're supposed to be siloed and and strong. And you hear all this, be strong, right? You hear this shit, right? You hear this, be strong. And I'm telling you, in your grief that strength is actually the idea of letting the emotions go, letting them out, letting them come to fruition, giving them light of day, and talking about them. So if you want to talk talk in terms of strength when it comes to grieving, if you've got strength, you're that person that's going to allow the emotions to ebb and flow. And you're going to allow that forever, for however long your body, your mind, and your spirit need to do that. Because your body's going to react to grief, your mind's going to react to grief, and certainly your spirit will too. So take that into consideration. You talk. Number two is you talk until you can't talk anymore. And maybe, again, grief has got you not talking, so that's even a better way of saying talk. <laughs> because if your expression of grief right now is to just simply shut down and not talk, I am going to tell you that that would be a red flag, and that kind of emotionality does need to surface. So as much as you probably don't want to talk about it, those of you who are not talkers in grief, I'm going to say talk, talk, talk. Talk to you can't talk anymore. Who are you talking to? Well, some of you feel better to talk to people that are not in your circle. And maybe that's a counselor, a spiritual director, a psychiatrist, uh, uh, an old friend, a mentor, somebody at school, somebody at work. Like Some of you do feel connected to talk about grief with somebody that's not so close for you. And now there's some of you, obviously, that feel much more connected to talk to, uh, to a loved one. Um, or you have a regular counselor, regular spiritual direction, regular somebody in your life that you can talk to. But you got to talk, man. And you got to, and some of the sentences are going to sound the same. Some of them are going to sound the same in grief. And sometimes you're going to catch yourself saying the same sentence. And it's going to sound like, I miss them, or I'm lonely, or why the hell did they have to die, or I'm pissed. And I just want you to know again, seasonally with grief, You've got to allow those sentences. You don't stop yourself. Just you got to allow that. You got to be, you got to be in flow of those things. And again, when I say talk, I mean person to person. 
I don't, I don't mean, I, I mean, yes, you can text or send emails, but there's nothing like face-to-face. What we're losing in the iPhone generation, what we're losing in the di- di- digital generation is the vulnerability and authenticity of eyeballs to eyeballs, of emotion to emotion, skin to skin, flesh to flesh, really seeing what's happening inside of somebody when they are crying, emoting, laughing, joyous, sorrowful, grieving. We need that kind of energy when we're grieving. We need to allow another human being's arms around us or deep eye movement into your eye movement, saying, I'm listening and I care. You need that. So face-to-face, y'all, face-to-face. Yes, you can text. Yes, you can get on the phone and cry it out, but there's nothing like the surfacing of an emotion when your face is next to somebody else's face and you're really hammering it out. Allow people to hear what you say. Again, you might think you're saying the same things over and over again, but keep saying them. And say what you have to say. Say what you didn't say, right? Say what you have to say. Say what you didn't say. And what I'm talking about is if you've lost a person that you, you, know, you didn't come to the table with that thing you had to say to them, say that. Tell the people what it is you had to say to them. And if you didn't say something to that person you lost, then definitely get in there and tell them what you didn't. Because a lot of us, when we hit grief, we also hit guilt. Right? We, we, we oh man, I should have done. And I wish I would have done. And guilt sometimes produces shame. Right? And so what, what we're doing here is we're, again, we're allowing ourselves to be human. We're allowing ourselves to have deep-centered emotionality based on those deep heart things that happen, particularly when we lose a person, lose a relation, a relationship breaks, uh, or we're moving on in season with another person. We need them out. We need them out. Uh, I wrote, I wrote you know, I'm just reading off my notes. Say what you said before, but say it. Say it again. Like, what are those things? I, I lost somebody very dear to me, and, um, you know, it's like I can remember those things that we used to say to one another because we had kind of like either personal jokes or just personal communication that would just, you know, we understood between one another. And it's like I I tell people those conversations now. There's one guy that listens to me about this one guy that I lost, and I literally probably tell the story every time I talk to him. (laughs) And he literally probably says, oh, JR's telling me the story again. But I do it. But I do it because it settles and calms me, and it makes me feel better, and it makes me really like take in and capture the love that I had for this guy. And maybe one day I'll stop telling the story, but until then, I'm telling the story. I want you to talk about the sadness. Talk about the loneliness. Talk about it's everything. Talk about the sadness. Talk about the loneliness, and talk about it's everything. If you've, if you've just simply, not simply, if you've broken up with somebody or you've moved on in, in, into in another relationship, right? If you've done that, again, there's going to be that sadness and loneliness right to the top. And if you've lost somebody to, to death or to a disease or accident or something sudden like that, it's the same deal. And the sadness can vary, obviously, in its amount if a person is either here still on earth or not. So, but I, I want you to go through the sadness. A lot of us just don't touch it when we come to grieving. A lot of us just don't touch the loneliness. And I want you to touch it. I want you to be able to sit in it and really, really um, express it and understand it. Now, old school OG people out there, again, it's a be strong, you know, you know, get through it, no tears. But I'm telling you, nobody's doing you any favors by helping you not feel. Let me say it again. If there are people around you that are not allowing that listening, that emoting, or that push into the deeper spaces of what's going on in your heart, they're not helping you. 
They're not helping you. So I want you to recognize that too. A lot going on in grief, right? Number three, if, if you're a prayer, a contemplator, a meditator, do it all. Do it all. Pray until you can't pray anymore, right? Contemplate until you can't contemplate anymore. Meditate until you can't meditate anymore. Find a deeper essence of energy in prayer and, and, and what those prayers are, are what those prayers are. Like nobody's going to tell you what those prayers can and can't be. So those are yours. So however you want to pray that, you can pray that. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to say pray to the person. What? Yes. I'm going to say if you've lost somebody physically on this planet, talk to them. Talk to them. Talk to them. Tell them that you miss them. Emote and cry into your pillow. Be pissed if it was a, 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 a circumstances, a, that circumstance surrounded that, that you can have anger or be angry about or to. But nothing says you can't talk out loud in a room to that person. Nothing says that. And for those people who think that volley is something other than what it really is, somebody who is in pain and in grief and misses somebody or whatever, you're smoking crack. So I can't tell you how many times I have had conversations with dead people. Allowing them to know that that I am sorry or that I miss them or that um, I wish they were still here. And there's nothing cosmically, man, there's nothing wrong with that. And if you don't think God doesn't understand that, you're smoking crack again. God knows the pain you're going through and God knows you want to reach out. So don't limit yourself, man. Don't limit yourself in the emotionality. So if you pray, pray whatever God you're praying to, whatever set of spiritual practice you're holding on to, take that, take that practice, take that faith, and really roll it into the grief as much as you possibly can. Number four, start to celebrate the life preceding the grief. Celebrate the life that precedes the grief. So when the grief hits, right, a lot of times what we do is, is we have a hard time going back into the life and vitality and joy that that relationship had. Now, especially if it's somebody you lost, like Diane lost her mom. So it was hard for her kind of like to reach back into her bag of historical relationship with her mom and remember a time when X, Y, Z, right? And of course that's hard because it's a shock to the system to lose somebody so deeply ingrained to you. But slowly but surely, I want you to start celebrating the life that preceded the grief. So you're able to look back a little bit on what this person taught you, on what this person gave you, on the love that was centric to the life you had in relationship with them, right? It's not just a memory lane trip. It's not just a memory lane trip. It's you really understanding in the present that there's still joy hovering in and around that relationship. And that is what's been given to you for the rest of your life. And that's what we must see in grief. We must understand that even though we don't have that person, that situation around us anymore, there's still an essence that rings through us, shoots through us, is intertwined through us, threaded in our DNA. And it is the reason why we grieve. And that grief should bring life. It should bring life. It should bring joy at the end of the day. It should bring a renouncing back into the world about that person that you loved and love and miss and wish so dearly they would know. So celebrate the life that precedes that grief. And you'll do that later on in the grief process, right? You know, there's all these stages of grief, and if you want, you can, you can, Google, the, you can Google the seven, 900 stages of grief. That's fine. You can go do that. 
Um, but I'm just telling you, man, you're going to get to a point where you're going to want to celebrate it. And that's why you talk. You're talking out loud because you're looking for that celebration in life, right? Not just in the death or just in the breaking of a relationship or just in the movement of a relationship. You're looking for life. Number five, build a routine where you can honor that love. Honor your love for that person. Build a routine where you can honor that love. And, and here's what I say. It's like, it's like building altars, right? Like building, there's nothing wrong with building altars. There's nothing wrong with like getting a frame, putting a picture of somebody in there. And every time you want to sit and meditate and pray and really be one with, with God and you light the candle next to the picture and you're, you're building a memory, you're building the memory, you're building a, a, a literal altar for that love to continue. Now, with that said, I understand that that by itself can get unhealthy, right? We certainly don't want our house to become a shrine, if you will, or a unhealthy attachment to, to person, place, or thing. But what I'm talking about is really when you're honoring something, you're giving memory to it, right? You're giving life to it. You're giving presence to it. So don't be afraid to get creative with, you know, with that. Um, there's tons of ways I honor uh, the people that have passed in my life. Um, wh- wh- one way is I talk a lot about one person that's in my life and about how that person affected me and how I affected them and how the death um, affected me and other people around me and why it's so important to X, Y, and Z. So I talk about it as, as a way of honoring, as a way of celebrating, as a way of routine, as a way of building altar and memory to that person. Memories, right? Memories and what you've been given. So as you build the routine in, you're thinking about the memories and you're thinking about what you've been given and how that givenness to you has a presence to it in the day, today, right? And and in that, you build routine. You build routine in how you're talking, how you're living, and how you know that love goes into any particular day. Number six, if you fall into deep depression with grief, like we talked about at the top, if you fall into deep depression, if you fall into depression with the grief and the sorrow, you got to seek some help. Spiritual director, uh, counselor, uh, shrink, friend, family member, y- y- you know what I'm saying. You just you have to get help. So if you're listening to me right now, and listen, I'm with you because I know a few of you out there, just because I know some individual stories out there, are sitting inside of the grief. And if you are hitting depression, it is, it, is, it is incumbent to go outside yourself as much as you possibly can. And I know it might be a stretch and hard and painful, but to go, I- I'm buried in the grief right now. And then my mind is in a place that just needs a little hit and jar and jag and, and push. And, 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 and you got to reach out. But you got to reach out to people that you know can help, Right. You're not just looking for a cheerleader for the record. You're looking for somebody who has some uh, expertise, some professionalism in Griefville so they can understand physically, mentally, and spiritually what's happening. Like, you know, for me, it's like even if I have a client as a spiritual director that's in major grief and I'm having a hard time or we're having a hard time in that relationship kind of moving forward, it's like, Hey, man, it's like, yo, you need to go check somebody out that can help you maybe move physically forward with maybe um, a bit of a depression med or maybe a supplement or maybe there's an exercise program, like like whatever it is. But you have to be able to raise your hand. And for those of you who know someone's in grief and know that's what's happening, say something. (laughs) Don't not say something. We are so backwards when it comes to getting in people's business. But I would rather people get in people's business and be wrong than somebody getting people's or not getting your business and then something tragic happened as a result of depression. 
the Christian community the last month or so was rocked by a pastor's uh, suicide. And I forget the people's and the names, but um, the story was tragic. And uh, young family, children, the whole nine yards, um, guy commits suicide, and it's just horrible. And I'm sure a lot of people reflected that, right, back to him. Hey, do you need help? Hey, can you get help? Hey, go get help. And I don't know what the circumstances are. I don't know. I'm just saying that I would rather people be in people's business and perhaps be wrong every now and then than for us to have more effing stories about people not getting the help and dying. Uh, and that's a reality. So, you know, we can, we can pretend it's not, but it's a, it's, a, it's a reality. And I just think we have to do that. So grief. So that, that's my punch list. There are many more points on this punch list. Those are the big six, though, for me. The big six. The one big one being talk, 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 and emote. Talk and emote and allow grief to be grief. Just allow it to happen. Don't think you're less than. Don't think that you're, this is something I got to get over. And I'm telling you, man, get help if you're functioning in a, in a community or a place where you're not talking or not vibing and feeling the depression. It's so vitally important that we talk about what's going on inside of us. And I know, I get it, man. I know there's some OG people out there that are like, uh, feelings and uh, Listen, don't listen to that bullshit. I'm telling you right now. What's going on inside of you is important. And if you're grieving, it's super important. It's super important to be able to feel that stuff at a deep guttural level. And again, if you need help, get it. Um, The second thing uh, on the Ask JR today, and I go 30 minutes, so I'm going to have to do this in five, (laughs) is call. Is how do you know your call? I get a lot of people going, well, how do I know my call? And what's my call? And I got to know my call. And I don't know my call. And I'm going to freak out. And... I don't know what I'm supposed to do or be or what my meaning of my life is. We have done such a great job at screwing up this word, particularly in Christian circles, where if you're doing ministry, you automatically have to go, well, my call happened on January 20th of 1926. And it's, I just want everybody to know, man, slow down. America, this country, particularly in evangelical faith land, we have done such a job, not only in our young people, but generationally, on making everybody believe that if they don't know what the hell they're supposed to do, like moving and serving other people, that they're a bunch of idiots and perhaps they don't have a faith. And I'm, I, want, I want to say it right now. If you're in a community, any kind of faith-based community, and you are being shamed at any level for not knowing what your quote-unquote call is, or what you're supposed to be doing in that community. Get the hell out. Leave it today. Make the phone call, drop a dime, and leave. Because it's okay not to know what's going on inside of you. It's okay not to know what your quote-unquote call is or isn't. It's okay. This is okay. God did not send Jesus to the planet so that every single one of us could rubber stamp tattoo call on our forehead or forearm and in case we forgot it we look in a mirror or look down that is not it transformationally call needs to be solely about the love that you feel inside of yourself for divinity i'm going to say it again transformationally as a human being your real true call what call really is is the essence of love that is happening inside of you back to divinity back to the divine, back to the universe, a oneness with creation. That's call. 
that thing that you feel inside of you when you're alone and you're being called to a deeper understanding of the world or people or the tree in your front yard or the stars when you look out or when you catch a great view or when you fall in love for the first time or when you see your child being born or that great job that you have that you worked your ass off to get, that love that sits inside of you, that is call. That is call. That is spirit calling to you, itching over and over again, knocking, saying, hey, I'm here. Hey, I'm here. Does it have to sound like a title on a church placard? Absolutely not. Can it? Yes. Can it look like an insane passion downhill skiing and I want to go win a gold medal? Yes. Can it look like you as a tattoo artist sitting in Brooklyn, New York? Yes, 100%. <laughs> Can it look like, oh my gosh, I know so many people with so many great loves inside of them and calls inside of them and chasing them in some weird, strange, crazy way. That's call. But you don't marry call to ministry. You can, but you don't, and I'm telling you not to. The Bible is filled with references of God calling us right? And he's doing that through the essence of spirit. And you hear it. Here's the thing about it. If you stop down long enough, I'm I'm even talking to atheists out there that don't believe in nothing. That's fine. You want to believe in nothing? Nothing. But there's something inside of you magnetically that attracts you to other people, other situations, or feelings of love. That's call. That's call. Pay attention to that stuff. Now, call is also call. Like, hey, you, come over here. That's call. That's call. When's the last time you hey you'd somebody? Hey, you come over here. Call can be the idea of you gathering, right? You gathering people, places, and things. That's call. But at the end of the day, I really want us to understand that that calling's deep inside of us. And you don't have to pinpoint it. And it's okay. Now, can you do a program? Can you do a life coaching thing? Can you do a best life now, 40-day thing, read a book? Get a, a course that helps you understand, who, do the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs test to come out and understand your personality. You can do all the bullshit you want, use all the tools you want to pinpoint what you should be doing to make money here. Or do, you can do all that stuff, but at the end of the day, I want you to fashion call and no call as that thing that drives you into the universe into greater understanding of you, greater understanding of the people around you, and the love that you have for you and them and the people around you. That's call. 1 Corinthians 7, Paul, Paul, a guy in the Bible, wrote most of the New Testament. He says, he says uh, were you a slave when you were called? Question mark. In this, right? He says, were you a slave? Were you a slave? He's, yeah, were you a slave? And, 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 and here's the deal. In this verse and many other places, called is almost equivalent to converted. Pointed to the moment of initiation, right? When faith was born. That, so that's call, right? It's like all of a sudden you have this like unbelievable great worldview, like a, like a come to Jesus, quote unquote, kind of understanding about yourself or the people around you or the community you're in. And we've all had these little bits and things as we've gone through our lives. This is nothing new to you. I know you have had that. But for some reason, we screw up call in 2018 is it's going to be specific, have a title to it, and then that's the way I'm going to, going to do it. Oh, and for the record, the other thing we do is when we mention call, it's like we can't move off that track. Let me tell you something. You can be called and then in, in a year and a half change your damn mind and you like something else. <laughs> it's okay. 
You should be evolving in your beliefs, in your face, in your passions, in your movement. If you're not evolving, you're not living. So just because you were called and somebody says, well, I was called to children's ministry and I don't want to do children's ministry anymore. Good. Go do something else. <sighs> All right, that's cool. I just get crazy about it. I get crazy about it because part of this thing kind of triggers me. Uh, okay, number one, it's, it's, it's okay not to know your call. It's okay. Number two, it's okay to want to be in ministry and not know what your call is. It's okay. It's okay to never hear your call, frankly. <laughs> Three, you need to know that your love for the divine is the call. And when I'm talking about the divine, I'm talking about you listening to yourself because God is in you. God's in you. He's in there, man. He is in there. He's not out beyond the trees in the clouds. He's in you. And call is really you listening to that. And then, by the way, if that's the only thing you feel, that love in you, that's, that's okay. So love is call. I want you to know that. And you don't need a voice or a title to have a call. You don't need to be podcasting or have a title on a door to have a call. Number four, there are people who make themselves sick trying to figure it out. And I want you to know it's love inside of you. And it's the love you will have for the greater good about what you're doing. So don't make yourself sick. Take the burden off today and know that if you're not feeling your call, it's okay, man. It's okay. In fact, you're probably better for it because you're much more suited to listen and understand what's happening inside of you. Number five, and I've told you this, and I've already said it, so I won't say it again, but I'm just saying if you're getting shame in your community, if your community is shaming you in any way, because you don't know what you want to do or you don't, you can't, you know, specifically define it with a sentence. Get the hell out of there. Just get the hell out of there. Good people, I love you. And I appreciate you all very much. And I thank you for being in on my passion and my call. I really do. My call at the end of the day, man, is to be a spiritual director. And I love it. And it lights me on fire. I was talking to somebody today in L.A. And I was able, and I'm super blessed, and I'm not saying this arrogantly, I was able to help them with a, with a particular situation. And, oh, my gosh, I was so charged, the fact that I got to help them. I was able to help them. It was, I was, it was able to move something in their call, their passion, their heart forward with them. And, man, I'll tell you, that, uh, there's nothing like that feeling. So I appreciate you being in on it with me. Thank you very much. If you need me, I'm jr at jrman.com, jr at jrmahon.com. There's a number on the website. You may text me or call me. I know a lot of you prefer to text when we're talking about deep kind of business. That's okay. I'll take your text too. I will return it. I'll also call you back if you want. Um, man, I appreciate you guys. I'll see you.